The Heavenly Father sees you and he wants you to know what he placed on the inside of you. And now for I See You. Welcome to Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the word. I'm going to start in John chapter 1 from the New King James Version and verse 47, and it reads, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And I speak to you today from the subject of, I see you. Turn to your neighbor, look him deep in the eyes and say, I see you. Turn to the other side, look him in the eyes and say, I see you. And it wasn't the miracles that made Nathaniel believe. It wasn't Jesus' wisdom and his great words. It wasn't even the backdrop of him having an immaculate birth. But it was the feeling of being seen because Jesus looked saw him under that fig tree when he thought he was all alone with his own problems, when he was praying by himself, when he was studying by himself. He knew that only the Messiah could have seen him when he was all by himself. And our Heavenly Father, he not only sees you, but he knows you by name. He knows the number of every strand of hair on your head. He knew you before you entered your mother's womb. He knows what your gifts are. Your interests, your weaknesses, your struggles, your desires, your destiny. He sees you and he loves you. Some people may see you, but they don't love you. He sees you and he loves you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And I declare to you this day that much of that vision comes from fathers. Solomon had The vision to ask for wisdom when God asked him, what do you want me to give you? And he had the wisdom to ask for that because his father David had instilled and drilled in his heart an appreciation for wisdom. Son, get wisdom. One of the top reasons children act out today and misbehave is because they feel unseen and they want attention. People today have more screen time than ever before. Kids are on their phones and on Netflix and streaming services. Adults are working remotely looking at screens. And even in Zoom meetings, people don't want to turn on the camera. They be unseen. They don't want people to see how their hair and dress looking. They just talk with an avatar up on the screen. The amount of people that are truly feeling seen has really dropped in today's time with COVID and lockdowns. People are just feeling unseen. Children many times can't see themselves because they just are who they are and they do what they do. So it just seems natural and unspecial to them, whatever they do and whatever they are. The father figure should act as a mirror before them and reflect whatever is special about them through the father's words, through his actions, so that the children can truly see themselves by looking in the mirror of the father. And as a father of seven, let me just share with you some examples of things that I saw in each one of my kids, starting with Joshua, my oldest. I remember when he was in his mid-teens, probably around 16, and we were downstairs in the church and we were in a men's meeting. And pastor had all of the men to go around and give what he calls an elevator speech. And he said, you got to be to sell yourself. And he said, in two or three minutes, you know, acting like you're on a job interview and just sell yourself. And Joshua got up as a teenager, kind of dropped his head some and said, you know, really, I don't have much to say. I haven't really done much. I don't really participate in much. Don't do anything. And he sat down. And I stood up as his father. So let me talk on his behalf. 
And I said, here sits a young man, a teenager, not even 20, that has read over 500 books, read more books than I've ever held in my hand. Here sits a young man that can tear open a computer and break it down and put it back together. Here sits a young man that helps his mother on the computer and has more patience than I do. And (laughs) it exceeds my own. And his patience actually will cause him to be a great father himself. And he's actually expecting a child in January, actually. (laughs) So he saw who he was through the reflection and the mirror of his father that gave him identity. My second son, John. I remember one day he'd gotten in trouble and I had to go to his room and deal with him and discipline him. And I came back kind of out of breath and my wife was like, what's wrong? I said, yeah, he gave him a little struggle there. And and John was kind of rowdy. And I remember he was so rambunctious with the discipline that I couldn't even spank him standing up. His legs would just be running. And I had to actually pick him up and just let him run in the air while I I hit him with the (laughs) belt. And when I came back to the room, I said, I've just spanked an entrepreneur, a businessman. I didn't call him strong will or anything negative. I said, the drive that I saw inside of that boy will take him far places. And I said, as he grew older, I said, what's the best training for this type of businessman? Research and said an MBA and I began to prep him for his MBA and he graduated with that last month. So at 23 years old. And even on the basketball court, his uncle C. Elijah, he told me, he said, John is really a fierce competitor, but he said it's, it's not really his skill, but it is his will. He has that eye of the tiger that doesn't allow him to lose, that he's just determined to win. And I saw that at a young age. My third child, Joseph, I saw him at a young age willing to do things other people weren't willing to do. I saw him go to karate class, and the instructor told us all to go down for it and do as many push-ups as we could. And, you know, I might have done 30 or 40, and, you know, everybody else, when they get tired, they just stop and get up. But he didn't give Joseph any further instructions. He said, do as many as you can do and stop. And Joseph's mind was more powerful than his body. And because he had no stopping point, he kept going till he damaged the very muscle fibers in his arm. And he went past the point of exhaustion. And next day he woke up like Popeye and he was just swollen and bruised. And as he got older, I saw him repeat this behavior. I saw him go outside and run in freezing weather on concrete with no shoes on, barefooted and no shirt and just pushing, ignoring his body and pushing past the limits of the physical. And I said, boy, you do have to, you know what frostbite is, don't you? (laughs) I had to couple some wisdom with it. (laughs) I saw him work out in the basement and he would work out. And I asked him, you know, how long do you, he said, I work out till I see black. When I see the stars, I know my workout is done. And, And he was just going to the extreme. And I knew that God calls that type of spirit to do the unusual, the things that other people would look at as far-fetched. And then my daughter, Jamie, my first girl, I remember going to the school one day and she wasn't in any paid organized dance class, but in the preschool, they just put the kids in a dance period. And they had this little dance that they wanted the parents to come see how the preschoolers was dancing. And when we witnessed her dance, even having no training, we saw an anointing on her movements and we knew that she had the gift of dance. And I pulled her into the bedroom one day when she was little and I said, Jamie, don't ask me how I know it, but I see something special on the inside of you that God is going to use. And I said, when you get older, it's going to come out and other people are going to see it and respond to it. And at the age of 11, she was ordained into the ministry. And then when she got a prophetic word and started a TikTok channel, others saw that gift that I saw as a young child. And within 90 days, She had over 100,000 organic followers that she continues to minister to every week now. My next child, Genesis, I saw her one day come home from school and 
she'd been dealing with some bullies and some other issues in school and that was causing some emotional issues. And she came in to talk with her mother and I. And we gave her the advice we could give from the best of our limited young abilities. And then she began to speak and said what she thought was the answers. And she psychoanalyzed herself better than us and better than any professional we could have ever taken her to. And we said, what kind of child is this that is broken down? What's wrong with her own self? She told us her problem, then tell her what, it, what the problem was and how to fix it and what's going on in this part of her brain while she's talking out of this part of her. <laughs> so we saw the psychologist within her. She started Georgia Tech in that field, and, and later we saw the scholar in her. She, she went from kindergarten through 12th grade, never making a B. And then she took the SAT and scored the highest in her class out of 500. So we saw this really impressive scholar. And she later got a call for teaching. So she switched from psychology to teaching because she wanted to be able to develop in other young people the academic gifts that God has blessed her with. Next daughter, Jasmine. As a little girl, I saw her uh, making this slime every day. And at the time, they was leaving residue all over the kitchen. I don't want you all to think these things were just all fun and games. Now, it, it was gunk everywhere now. <laughs> but we saw her making this slime every day. And we saw her wanting to cook and asking us to taste it in the early days. And, you know, everything had to taste good, but you had to just eat it down until she got better. But she did get better. <laughs> and then we saw her becoming the top student in math and science and her science teacher talking about her and her getting awards in it. And I saw the combination of that. I saw a chemist within her and I searched and began ordering her chemistry kits every month that she started from 12 years old. And next year she's headed to Georgia Tech or a similar school in the field of chemistry. My youngest child, Jade, we had a family meeting this past Wednesday. And in that meeting, some of her siblings, they began to get on her about how she was able to get them to do stuff and hadn't really earned it and didn't deserve it. And I stopped them after a point. And I said, Jade, I see a salesperson in you. I said, the way that you've gotten money out of your siblings and out of your money and dad and cousins and uncles and I said, that's what salespeople do, the top salespeople. I said, in every company, the top paid person behind the president is a salesperson. The best real estate agent, they're salespeople. You've got a gift. She's the only child that we brought a nanny in the house, and then Jade was getting these snacks and games. We said, where's she getting the money? We found out she was subleasing her closet space to the nanny. <laughs> A closet she ain't paid a dime for. Has no contract on. And <laughs> she let the nanny use some of her closet if she could pay her in snacks and gaming. Come. Jade is a salesperson. So I said, Jade, you need to go down to T-Mobile and get a job this summer. You can sell them phones and get the commission off of it. I saw in her something that reflected in her as a salesperson. Her brain without training has the natural ability to say what's the best way to maximize what I'm about to ask for the best chance of getting it. She's the only child that can do that. Minister George here, I remember pastor saying when he was just a baby, below one years old, and he told him, I love you. And he noticed the clarity of his voice and his mind to say, I know, I know, I know. And he knew from that he had an unusual mind and an unusual gift of speech. And you all see the results today. I have a, another friend that was my best friend in high school. And I saw him as a teenager and he would come to our beauty shows and sell our souvenir books. And I saw the gift of sales in him. And Later, he came to work with us, and he was in manufacturing, and I told him, I said, you know, you've got that sales gift that I saw that was greater than anybody at that show. You ought to try some sales on the side. And he would take his lunch hour and his break and get on the phone and begin to make calls on the phone. He would stay late after working, after he came out of manufacturing and make calls. And at this point, he's still working in manufacturing full-time. 
but he makes multiple times the salary from his sales on the side than he does with his manufacturing job. Have another friend that sold book whistles young and she was trying to find her career path and she was trying one thing after another and I told her, I said, you know, you really had a sales gift. I remember some years you beat me and, you know, that takes something to do. And I said, have you tried sales? She said, no, I don't want to do that. I did it young and finally a friend introduced her to Mary Kay. She said, I'll try it on the side. She got in it and just excelled and just went through the ranks. And within two years, they had bought her a brand new Escalade, let her driving, and she's thriving in it today because of what I saw. The Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I can see it so clearly with children. For every positive thing that I've seen and labeled in my kids, other people have seen a negative spin on it and called it negative. But it mattered what came out of their father's mouth. The book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says, See and treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat him as he can be, and he is more likely to become the man he can be. See Elijah, he mentioned in his message this past Thursday, he said, See the bad, but say the good. But in order to say the good, you have to see the good first along with the bad so that you could say the good. And you could see a child as always got something to say. Or you could see them as a master negotiator or a lawyer. You could see a child as lazy. Or you could see them as an avid reader. You could see a child as stubborn and hard-headed. Or you could see them as a business person that will not give up when difficulties arise in the market. You could see a child as always on that computer playing games, or you could see them as technically gifted in a computer age. You could see a child as hanging out too much with those friends, or you could see them as a powerful networker in times when young people lack social skills. It's a matter of what you see, what you call out in them. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you call out. Be careful what you nurture and what you cultivate in your children. The labels you use will make a difference in how they see themselves. You are the mirror that they look into. Many parents, they call out what frustrates them the most instead of what should inspire them and inspire hope the most. Imagine what a difference that will make in the child's life. If you call out what frustrates you the most or if you call out the greatest potential you see in them. Suicide is the number two cause of death in young people in this country, not disease. Youth commit suicide because they see no value or purpose in them living anymore. And we are designed to feel more alive when we're doing what we're designed to do. When kids excel at what they're gifted in and they get recognized for that, they feel something positive by their very design. When an entrepreneur gets a new innovative idea, he can't sleep at night until he begins working on it and puts something on paper and get it in motion. When an artist gets an idea in their minds of a painting, they can't rest at night until they begin to draft out that on paper. When a singer gets a song stuck in their head, they can't rest at night until they begin to pen the lyrics or the rhythm or the melody the ability to see others effectively, it starts with hearing them effectively. If you want to see better, first hear better. The best form of listening is called empathetic listening. And if I owned a school, one of the policies I would put in place is that all of the parents of teens would have to come to a seminar on empathetic listening. I've seen it be so powerful in parenting. And I'm going to just give you a quick seven keys that will help you listen so kids will talk and talk so they will listen. And this is not just for kids, but it's for friends, for co-workers, for spouses, for siblings, for all human relationships in your life. Key number one is strive to make the other person feel four emotions. Heard, understood, respected, and considered. Heard, understood, respected, and considered. So even if an employee or a child brings an idea or expresses that they don't like something, so even if I don't agree with it, I still will consider it and explain why we're not going that direction. So you don't always have to agree, but at least let them know that you considered it, that you thought about it. 
deeply. And if there's ever a breakdown in communication, usually at least one of those four feelings won't be present in that communication. Number two key is to give your full attention to them. That means don't look at your phone. Don't be on the computer. Give good eye contact and feedback to them while they're talking. Number three, don't interrupt them while they're talking. And this is really a struggle. It was a struggle for me, and I think it's a struggle for most people because sometimes when the kids or other people are rambling on and you feel like the answer is just clear, you just want to cut it off. Say, just let me tell you what you need to do. And I had to find myself, and it was hard really to stop myself from doing that when you feel like you know something that may be simple to you. So I had to just, I said, let me just practice some physical. So while they were talking, if I had the urge to say something, I would just put my finger physically over my mouth till they were finished speaking. I said, let me button up my own lip because, you know, it's hard to break those habits. So don't interrupt them while they're talking. Number four is seek first to understand before being understood. It's another key in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And don't give any advice until you fully understand the heart and the depth of the issue. Don't assume you understand something that may have multiple meanings. Ask questions to clarify. In the CEO group that Pastor and I go to, they bring up issues every month that we solve as a group. And one of the procedures that they use is you have to go around and ask questions from everybody before anybody is allowed to give any solution. And this literally takes 10 to 15 minutes. So even if you know what to do, they will stop you and say, no solutions yet. And everybody goes and asks questions and they dig in and make sure they have very good clarity before anybody is able to begin giving advice or answering the issue. Number five, if you don't know, don't act like you know. This level of honesty builds more trust in the things that you do know. As parents, sometimes we feel like we just always got to have the answer for our children. But if I don't know something, I usually would give them three responses. I'll say, I don't know. Let me go and research it and get back to you. That's one thing. Second thing I'll say, I don't know it, but I know somebody who's an expert in that field, got a lot of experience. And let me connect you with them. Let you talk with them. Or the third thing I'll give them a good resource or path to find the reliable information and wisdom in that manner. So I'll tell them I don't know it or I'm not proficient in that. And I'll answer them in one of those three ways. And it builds trust in the stuff you do know. But if they find you just answering anything and if you don't know and they find those things are not right, they'll say, well, mom and dad, they're going to just tell me anything if I ask them. So number six. Help give them the understanding of why and not just because of authority or tradition. If it's based purely on authority or tradition without understanding why, then when they get their own freedom and independence, they'll do what they want to do or they'll do what the culture influences them to do. Now, there are, of course, some exceptions to that. And sometimes time is short or you may be in a danger or something is urgent. And you have to override that. But my children will tell you that I've always helped them to understand the why of what I asked them. And even if they don't agree with the reasons, they at least understand my mind process behind it. The final key, number seven, is to apologize if you lose emotional control or if you say something hurtful. And getting these techniques is the easy part. Using them is the hard part. And even me, you know, reading stuff and practicing this myself, and I'm getting better each day. But even myself, even though I'm teaching this, I've had to use this number seven two or three times in the last three months with my own children. So, you know, after working a long day and then getting hit with some issues, sometimes, you know, I I just get a little frustrated and don't handle it in the best way that I'm teaching. But I've come back and apologize and say, you know, that wasn't the best way to handle that. Daddy was tired and you didn't deserve that. And I apologize. And that does a lot. And I find that it's harder for me to deal with my own internal emotions than to deal with the child. And I know two pastors right now that basically they lost this emotional control and cursed the children out. And the children either left the church or left the house. And it damaged the relationships. And they couldn't keep the child connected because they lost emotional control and didn't come back and fix it with a simple apology to say mama or daddy was wrong. And then I'll just follow that to give you one key on helping kids see themselves 
with vision. And that key is to shine light on what you want to grow. Plants grow in light. Bacteria grow in darkness. So whatever you want to grow, shine light on that. Plants grow in light. Bacteria grow in darkness. And I do that by highlighting whatever I want to grow with words, with actions, with encouragement, with money. Whatever the potential I see that I want to grow, that's where you put energy and highlight. And praise, with just like with plants, it's almost a combination of both sunshine and water mixed together. It causes growth in that area. And a portion of our family meetings is we take a time where each person has to turn to the person next to them and say something positive about them or something they're grateful for about them. And it goes from personal and person around the circle and the order rotates from meeting to meeting. And I believe the reason the Bible says out of the nine gifts of the spirit to desire most the prophetic gift is because out of the gifts, that's the one that focuses on calling out what God sees in you. It lets people know that the heavenly father sees them. And I didn't know that I had the level of fatherhood in me when I was a young man. And it was in this very church right on here next to the keyboard that Prophet Collins, when he was here doing revival and prophesying, that he spoke to me standing right here. And we had one child, Joshua. And he said, James, I see you coming out child after child after child. And I see six children back to back to back. And I said, like, hold on now, we only want three or four. <laughs> I look at my pocket there. We didn't budget for seven. We budgeted for three. <laughs> but as we prayed upon it, he called out and God confirmed it. Child after child after child. And now you could see the results here today by what I said about them earlier. He saw it and called it out through the gift of prophecy. The heavenly father sees you and he wants you to know what he placed on the inside of you. No one knows you and sees you like the one who created you. Who knows what is on the inside of you? What ingredients that you're destined to do? Who knows your capability like the one who placed it in there? Who knows those gifting better than the one that crafted it with his own hands? The one that in his own wisdom knew what you would have to face and said, let me put this strength in them so they would be able to withstand the storms. So sometimes when you think you're not good enough, when you're not smart enough, you think you're not strong enough, turn within and seek the one who created you and find that when he put into you. You'll find a strength. You'll find a wisdom. You'll find a gift in that is hitting inside of you for situations just as that. He knew before you entered your mother's womb what you would need. And he placed it on the inside of you. Fathers help give identity. You normally take on the father's last name. Last name identify which family you belong to. There's so many fathers now, they don't know who they are. It's no wonder kids don't know who they are. How can you learn identity for somebody who don't know identity themselves? Whoever is the father figure for a child needs to help them with their identity. Identity has become so clouded now that kids are even confused about whether they are male or female. Now, if you don't know if you are male or female, how do you think you can figure out the complexity of knowing your purpose and your destiny and all of these difficult things to figure out? Now, our Heavenly Father created us and is the ultimate identity giver. And if you don't have a good biological identity, then lean more into the identity and above and as the king's daughter or son. And when my mother started a youth ministry in our old church and she bought a van and went out to pick up kids from underprivileged neighborhoods and bring them to church and feed them and teach them, she named the ministry the king's kids and she draped the van with that branding. The king's kids. So these children that were picked up from low-income housing who didn't have fathers at home and no good example, when they got into and stepped into this van, she wanted them to look at the branding and know that when they got on this bus that you are a child of the Most High King. You were a king's child and it gave them a new identity that they couldn't get from their biological father. And children... They are distracted from building their spiritual relationship with their heavenly father 
Parents are distracted from building relationships with their earthly kids. Spiritual relationships with God are, they're down now because of these distractions. And it's causing a reduction of identity. And you have to be intentional and take time and slow down and really look to truly see a person. In the midst of work and trying to get dinner ready and trying to help with homework and cleaning and calls and text and just life. That the business can cause you to just keep going through the motion and not take the time to really talk to your children. To really look on the inside of them and reflect the giftings that are there. So many distractions are keeping us from seeing inside of our kids. And I'm for the first time in my life in the home now. With four females. I grew up with five brothers in the house. No sisters. And then when we started our family, I had three boys. So I was used to all of this testosterone around me. Now I got to get used to all of this estrogen around me. (laughs) And I've had to improve the way I communicate. Because now I'm dealing with females and not males. So I'm sharing with you today... Some of the things that I'm learning on my new journey. And I hope that it will bless your life and your relationships with your children and your spouse, your co-workers, your friends. Again, as I close, turn to your neighbors and say, I see you. And your heavenly father sees you. Turn to the other side and say, I see you. And your heavenly father sees you. Well, I thank you today for tuning in to Brothers of the Word. I pray that this message ministers to your life. You can send it to a friend. Just go to brothersoftheword.com. Search for I See You, and you'll see the link to send it to a friend. God bless you, and thank you for listening today. Amen, amen. Well, with heads bowed right now. On this day, I want to do a different kind of altar call. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed, but we want to help you heal and help you with identity. So much identity crisis. And if something I've said in this message struck something in you and you struggle with that identity and you didn't have anybody to help set it firmly within you and it caused some scars and some traumas. and It's caused some wondering even today. We want to pray with you and just speak some things over your life and help connect you in a greater capacity to your heavenly father that'll help give clarity to your life. So if it reverberated with anybody, come to the altar right now. We just want to pray with you on this Father's Day. Speak life unto you and clarity unto your vision. Heal some things with identity. Or if there's anybody that you've just been feeling unseen, you may have been working from home and COVID may have caused some disconnections and just not the same as it used to be and you've been feeling some loneliness you know some things need to be healed with your relationships so if any of those things apply to your heart this is a no judgment zone this is place of healing place of love the father wants to embrace you he loves you he sees you right where you are you may have been praying some things that you feel like nobody understands. Nobody sees what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I've been through. Come to the altar right now. He wants to heal some things. It's not a salvation call, but this is a healing call from what a father that should have been there would have done, but he wasn't there to do it. God wants to heal those areas in you today. And this can be Males or female, even though it's Father's Day. Fathers have caused a lot of this damage. 
But God is able to heal it. He sees and knows. We may not understand as pastors, but God knows. He understands what you're struggling with, what you're going through. He sees you just as he saw Nathaniel under that fig tree. He sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to direct and guide you. He wants to wrap his loving arms around you. He's saying, come my child, come right now. He'll open his arms, but he won't force you to come. You've got to come into his arms yourself. He has all the love, all the forgiveness, all the direction in the world waiting for you. But you have to come on your own. He won't push you, but he'll open his arms and draw you. You have to take the steps yourself. He is a loving father. He'll never forsake you. Even though I don't have the answers sometimes for my children, he always has the answers. If you don't know what your purpose is, you want direction from the one who created you. Come. Come. We're going to run over today and God just wants to minister. You know, sometimes love takes extra time. And when I'm dealing with my kids, sometimes it takes hours. And there's love just in the time spent. Most times it's not in the words that I speak, but it's in the time that I spend. That they feel the love and they feel better just because I listen. I don't have to say much but because I listen because I hold them and rub them and say it's going to be alright that's all they need and I'm going to let prophet Dexter as he has that gift of seeing pray over you and speak anything that he sees because God sees you God sees you God sees you right where you are God sees you His eyes are everywhere. He not only sees your outside, he sees your heart. He sees your struggle, that thing that torments you at night that makes you toss and turn. God knows it. Even when you feel your loneliest, God is there. God is there. He loves you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory, glory. So, Mr. Simmons, and I shot You asked God a question. It's probably been about a month ago. Did I do enough for my children? And, and he said, yes. The answer is yes. You did all you could do for the ones who you took care of, for your loved ones. You did all you could do. You gave your all. So don't think that you didn't lacked in any area because you did what you were supposed to do. And so he has blessed you with long life and health because of your continuous love for your children. Your continuous hope that you did enough. And it's out of that given heart that you have given your all. So the answer is yes. You have done enough. And you're going to continue to do. But be reassured that God has seen you for what you have done. Because one of our main things that God wants us to do as fathers is to cover our children. Provide wisdom for our children provide love and understanding for our children and take their pain when they can't handle it themselves. You've done all that is required of you. You have been through a lot of hurt and a lot of pain but you're standing. So don't take it lightly that even though you went through all these trials and tribulations and tough times you're standing 
dad might have not done what he was supposed to do. And mama may have not been able to do what she could do or was wanting to do. But you're standing. Yes, you cried some tears and yes, you've had some hurt. And there was some emotional, physical hurt by people who said they loved you. Promises made. But God said you're standing. And you're not standing alone, but you're standing by his grace and his mercy and his love for you and his angels that are encamped around you. So when you go home and when during those times of enduring and during those times of feeling like you're alone and loneliness, know that you're not alone. God sees you and you're standing on angels' wings. You're standing because of the love of God. The love of Christ that he loved you so much, he wouldn't allow you to harm yourself. And he wouldn't allow anybody else to come against you and take your life. You're standing. Lift your hands. Though it may seem like it has been delayed, it's not denied. The promises that God has given you and made to you, amen, and the words that he has uttered, even through me, for you, is coming. It's coming. As long as you trust in him and hold on to your faith. But see, the greatest jewel that you have is in the back of the room, in the middle of the room, that row that you all sit on each and every Sunday. That's your greatest jewel, your greatest treasure. And as you live and as your daughter see you grow, They have watched you. They cling to you because you've been there. You stood and you stood in the gap. You've been there. Continue to be the man that God wants you to be and watch your family and your jewels grow and watch your testimony prosper to where God wants to take you to. Hayana. Pastor Smith, you've been a a father to many. Not necessarily biological, but there are so many that call you dad. In the spirit realm, there are so many that call you dad and have held on to you and your words of wisdom that you have provided to them. So as I spoke to Mr. Sims earlier those same words resound in you God sees you and he is pleased because you are willing to give your last to others that are not even necessarily family by biology because biology didn't set the cornerstone for you to be family the cornerstone is set for you as somebody that you consider family is somebody that you consider trustworthy honorable kind, loving and those are the gifts of the spirit those are the fruits of the spirit and because you are a father to many God is going to honor you even until generation until generation until generation after you're gone your legacy will live on. Amen. And yes, it was hard to step away at times because you passed us for so many years in that one place. And it was hard. There was a piece of you you left behind. But God said, don't worry about it. Trust in me because I brought you through and I brought you out. And now it's time to live and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Ah, yeah. I know you know your name of Vincent, wife. Ayana. And as I came in the back of the room and you were sitting, amen, with your daughter, God sees you. He knows your heart. You, Yes, you have had some disappointments and some hurt and some family situations, a disconnect in loved ones. And I was looking at siblings loved ones 
And though you have hope that everything will be restored and reconnected, sometimes God disconnects for a reason. It's not by accident that those relationships that have been disconnected are no longer connective. Your plug has changed. You're no longer on the USB A charging station, but you're on the C drive. And everybody can't connect with you on the C drive because they have the old equipment. So while you're running the 5G connection and they're still on the dial them up connection, smile and love them from a distance. And when God is ready for them to connect with you, he'll move them up. He won't move you down. Keep your connection with your family within those four walls of your home and everything else will work itself out and yes there's a second career for you I don't even know what you do now but I heard counselor and you have a love for children you have a love for young people but I heard counselor it's almost like mother to many and even in your neighborhood, people love to come over your house and just enjoy being around you, and it's going to grow. You're going to be known as neighborhood mom if you're not now. Neighborhood mom, everybody's going to want to hang out at Vince's house. There's business in in your mind. You have ideas locked in from years ago that God had given you. And so you come and you get nuggets of wisdom. I notice you since you've been coming. Each and every Sunday you come and you'll speak to me or, or one of the pastors or all of us just to get a nugget of wisdom. And a lot of times it's something that you have thought about even years ago that God will bring back to you from a message that you heard or from somebody speaking or a song that song. The Holy Spirit moving in you. And so he's going to bring back things. He said, open the journals and open the notebooks. It's more like notebooks that you used to jot down information and jot down ideas. He said, open them up because I'm getting ready to harvest the ideas that I gave you years ago. I'm getting ready to bring them back to you and it's going to be a blessing to you and your family and to the kingdom of God because your desire is to not just bless you and you alone, but it's to bless many and others. And you want to take people with you. Amen. But God is going to give you the means. He's already provided info, information. He's already provided it to you. But he's going to give you the means and the tools. He's going to work it out for you. He's going to move. Young lady, I see you going back to school. And so there's a level of degree. I hear doctorate. And don't worry about how is going to come. Don't worry about how you're going to pay for it. Don't worry about, I'm not good enough. You are great in God's sight. And as I'm standing here today, I wouldn't tell you something I didn't see from God. I don't make anything up. But as I'm standing here today, if you just trust God and step out on faith, because I see a love for not just your family, but people in general. I see, I want to say psychology, but I see a doctorate in either sociology or psychology, but God is developing you. God is going to plant seed in you. He's going to show you your path. He's going to open up a glimpse of your destiny. And if you trust him, I see your family. 
I see family around you. I see children around you. I see a young boy pulling on your leg. He's going to bring you to the point where you thought you could not make it. Don't worry about what people think. Because people will disappoint you each and every day as long as you live. Somebody's going to do something that disappoints you. Whether it be a stranger, whether it be a loved one, somebody's going to do something that pricks. But I'm looking at God and I'm looking at his hand over your heart. He's covering your heart. He's protecting. So that can't just anybody come and do you dirt. You're worthy and you're worth something. You're worth more than what you have been putting up with for years. And this relationship that you, I know not Shata, the relationship that you've been involved in, <laughs> God's going to deal with. Because your worth is more than you know. Is more than you know. Hiya. And God was speaking to me even when Pastor James was ministering. He said to perceive the positive and shoo the negative. And what that means is exactly what Pastor James was saying. Speak the positive because there's positive in everybody. And over yourself, speak over yourself the positive things. Even though somebody may perceive it as negative, turn it into a positive and shoo the negative lock the negative away and you're going to shine you're going to shine though there may be clouds in the sky the sun is always shining though you may not be able to see the sun S-U-N or the S-O-N you may not know he's there he's always there and I believe that's, that just as a representation of Christ the S-U-N was placed in the heavens even when it's dark it's still there even when it's light and it's cloudy it's still there when it's raining, windy, snowing the sun is still there and it's a physical reminder of the S-O-N who was ever present in your heart who was ever present by your side on your daily walk following his footsteps Haya. Glory to God. Young man on the end, t shirt, burgundy. The more you come to church, and the more you open yourself up to what God has for you and what He wants to do for you. And see, you've noticed it yourself. At first, you started coming, you were trying to figure out, why am I coming all the time? I could be doing something else. I could be hanging out doing this and doing that. You found yourself getting dressed at times to go other places, but you ended up here. And you didn't understand it. There were no mistakes made. God orchestrates your footsteps. So now when you come, you're eager to come. You want to be here. If somebody calls you and say, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go here. Let's go there. I can't go until about 1230. Because you know we normally going to get out around 1230. So you book and you plan. Am I telling the truth? <laughs> I already know I am, but I just wanted to hear you say it. And you book and you plan and you set your schedule and your appointments for everything after 12, about 12.45 is what you say to yourself. At 12.45, I'll be out. I'll be back in my car rolling. But because of your sacrifice and because of you trusting God, it's just a small connectivity that has to be started. It's a spark plug. Just like that grain of a mustard seed, a spark will ignite a nation. A spark will ignite your very soul 
And yes, there's a calling on your life. I see you ministering. But God is going to deal with you. God is going to work in you. There are fruit that has to be developed in you. There's purpose in you. Yes, you ran with the wrong crowd years ago. Yes, you did. You did some things that you're not proud of. We all have. They may say he can't do that because he did this. Well, you are forgiven. Christ has forgiven you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to let him go. You can't make him do. You can't make him do right. All you can do is guide through your deeds, through your actions. Set the example like you have already done and know that God sees you. We can't live for anybody else but ourselves. But you got to live a life that's just and righteous before the Lord. And that's how you draw men to Christ. That's how you draw women to Christ. It's not what you do, but it's how you live in every area. And you can give him all you have. And he can still walk away from you. But as long as you do what's right in the eyes of God, he'll come back. God will bring him back. Put him before the altar. Put him before the altar. You continue to pray. Continue to pray. Because the enemy wants to take and steal his very soul. Put him before the altar. He's been warned several times. He's Several times. And it was almost like you couldn't even approach me about things. Because God said, don't approach him. Because he's been warned and he's been told and he's been taught and he's been directed and he's been guided. He's been led. You can't live his life, but you can pray and ask God to cover. Just like Abraham prayed. Just like Lot prayed for the city to spare the city. Will there be one? Is there one in the city who deserves my grace? You deserve his grace and you continue to pray. And may God honor your prayers. And so increase is coming on your job. I see new positioning. I see management. I see development. I see training. I see God is sending you and preparing you. He's going to send you to school. And it's going to be on their dime. He's going to open doors. And I see you. I'm looking at LinkedIn. But I see you as an entrepreneur, as a businessman. And I see your whole wardrobe is going to change. The very direction that you thought you were going in, God is going to change. I see corporate all around you. Increase is coming to your home. You've been waiting. You've been wondering what's the delay. But see those little pricks and those little things that happen on those little aggravation, cumbersome things that come up. Is God allowing it to prepare you for what he has for you ahead of you? If he didn't prick you, he wouldn't care. If he didn't test you, he wouldn't care. But he cares for you. So he tests you. He pricks you. He moves you by just the faint of the wind. You may be wanting to go left and he'll blow the wind to the right and you'll find yourself going right. You may want to sit down, but he'll put that little thumbtack, that little piece of wood just to splinter you, to move you 
to another location, to another chair. The chair you sit in now is not yours. And just like Pastor James said, the king's kids, you are king's kid. The vehicle you're driving is not yours. You are a king's kid. He's going to increase. Yes, you may have thought you were not good enough to become president of whatever area you want to be in. But I hear CEO, which is basically the same thing as president, unless there's a president and CEO in that one company. But you are a president. You are a king. And you are a king's kid. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Amen. You all can return to your seats. I've already been praying for you as I was speaking. It's done and it's done and it's done. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I was sitting there and I sat there for a reason, because this prophet Dexter began talking, I heard God just say, go sit down, sit down. So I sat out, and he began to speak. Some of the men actually needs to you just need to rest. You need to sit down. Some of you worked so hard for so long, and you got a lot of sorry men haven't done anything. They need to stand up. But there are men, and you have toiled all of your life, and you've done what you are supposed to have done. And you just need to take some rest. And there were ten people standing here, mostly men, a couple of females. And I was hearing God speak. I want you to pay for their meal today with their families. So there were 10 people. And some of the people standing here, you have the thought, I don't need you to pay for it. And actually, it wasn't for me to pay for it. It's for the church to pay for it. I didn't have a problem paying, but it ain't for me to pay for it. So it's the church. And some of you thinking... I don't need the church to pay for it. I got my own money. Matter of fact, some of you think I got plenty of money. That's not the point. And often God will make blessings available to you. And there is a blessing. And the blessing has nothing to do with the money. So this is what you are to do. Go eat today with your family. Bring the receipt back to the church, including the tip. And the church will reimburse you for your meal. And that's only for the ten folk who were up here. <laughs> so. so we really had a phenomenally powerful message today with I See You. It's also kind of the thematic of the movie, the first one, Avatar where they look at each other and after they've gone through these experiences and it means I understand you, I see who you are, I see you. So we just thank you for the message. We thank you from the end. I asked Pastor James to speak because he really is. He's the best daddy that I know. He spends the time, he spends the energy, he works with his children, he has a vision for his children and he's just the next level father. And often anointing comes from somebody who has done it and is doing it. And he has a program even. Our mission here at the church is not just what we do within these four walls, but there's a part of our thought pattern and our very DNA is to take it way beyond the walls. So he has a whole program. It's called the Family OS, which is the family operating system, thefamilyos.com. He has a program there of, first of all, finding the right spouse. Then the spouse got to stay together and then rearing the children. So he has those three parts with basically the love screener, which is about finding the right person. 
the marriage challenge, which is about staying together with your spouse in a peaceful relationship so you don't kill each other. And then the third portion, which is the parent challenge. So he has an outline and he's put together the program so that you can duplicate. True greatness is not just doing it yourself, but empowering and educating and anointing others. As Jesus said, greater things than this shall ye do. And we didn't even realize we had somebody in the church with 19 children. So sometimes, you know, greater things than this shall ye do. But Jesus set the template. He did the training. He placed the anointing and he made the sacrifice to make the knowledge available to you. Thefamilyos.com. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the example, the anointings of fatherhood today. We pray that every father within this place shall be anointed and empowered and rewarded for that which they have done in being a father. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, I See You, by James Bronner. This message is number 8260, that's 8260, to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 8260 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother, you need the word. Brothers of the word.